Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer, that, Father, that what is said, what is done, what is spoken of, Lord, that for each one of us here, Father, we have not lived today. We've come into this place, but you've already been here. Father, you are not limited to time and space, and so, Lord, we come here um, seeking to hear from you, seeking to worship you, to praise you. We thank you, Father, for the experiences that we've already had in you, and we look forward to more of what you have for us. We want to give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Do me a favor right now if you could stand up, please. No. Don't worry, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Close your eyes, if you would. Close your eyes. Okay. As your eyes are closed, I want you to picture in your mind for a moment, imagine yourself in heaven. Your eyes are closed. Just picture this place that uh, the Bible talks about and how insanely beautiful that it is. No more pain, no more darkness, no more temptation, no more death. It's been swallowed up and gone. No more concern about bills, no more concern about being asked by a pastor to stand up and it actually hurting when you stand. But you come before him and you take all this experience in and you look and you see the Lord seated upon the throne Just what a day of rejoicing that is going to be. Go ahead and open your eyes. What I invite you to do as you open your eyes is to look around. And what you picture around you is not only those who would be present around you right now. And as you look and and see folks around you who who are present, but there's a sea of people that are around and they're all rejoicing, they're all lifting up the name of Jesus. And so I want to just invite you right now. Let's just give the Lord an applause for what he has offered us in Jesus Christ. Not only when you look around and you're seeing who's, who's there and you're excited to see them, but who's also so thankful? Who's looking for you? Who's looking for you? Who wants to thank you for introducing them to Jesus Christ? For being willing to step out? And today we're asking the question, will I go? And just wrestling with that. This is missions celebration, and I've been serving here in this position for just a few months. But missions is actually... Um, One of those things that my wife and I were drawn to this church um, because of the emphasis on missions, on sending people, um, not only to our neighborhood, not only locally, nationally, but internationally for the cause of Christ, for proclaiming the gospel. And so what I want to do right now is for those of you that are part of our uh, mission families, our partners, you serve nationally, locally, internationally, wherever you may serve, can I invite you please just to stand up where you're at, wherever you're at in the service, right? Go ahead and just stand up for those who are serving right now. Let's give them a round of applause. Stay standing. See you. And Rick, let him stay back up. And actually, don't want to forget, um, but actually later on, the Martinez are going to be sharing a little bit more about what's going on with their ministry at 4 o'clock, M102. Come check that out. But as these guys stand, for those of you who are present as well, that you've served in long-term mission service um, in some capacity, I also want you to stand up right now, please. So join these two couples that are up. So hop back up. Yeah, and a lot of standing. What the heck is going on? Let's look around here. Look around see what God is doing. Awesome. And stay standing. 
Good. And as these guys stay standing, here's the theme, stay standing, all right? Now here's what I want. For those of you who have served in some capacity, midterm, short term, you've gone to Mexico, you've done local projects, I want to invite you right now to stand up here at Trinity Church. Look around. All right, you can all grab a seat. Love the emphasis here on missions, on recognizing, as Todd's been challenging, just rooted in reaching, and not only reaching our oikos, our circle of influence around us, but also recognizing the call, the unique calling that some of you, as you ask the question today, will I go, that the Lord may be speaking to you about today, that you'll have something to wrestle with as you go. And we actually have some opportunities out in the plaza, which you saw coming in, um, behind those curtains uh, there in Oz isn't back there actually some good opportunities are back there okay so we'll want to come check that out grab your Bibles grab your phones uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 6 please We're going to take a look at Isaiah and what he sees, just as you pictured a moment ago we're going to see a vision and understanding Isaiah was a real person. So as you begin to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, you need to process this as a real person. Don't just read the story and, okay, I read it, but think about what questions do you have? What things do you wrestle with as you get a chance to follow up in your small group? Are there things that, that uh, stirred in you in this? I'm in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You need to understand that as Isaiah comes in and he pictures this, he's taken in this moment. I want you to ask the question and understand Isaiah doesn't um, initiate this, but God initiates this. That as he comes into the temple, he recognizes what he sees is beyond what he has seen and experienced before. What he sees is something beyond his understanding. He's taken this in. The first thing he recognizes is the Lord who is seated. Okay, the Lord who is seated. He's not waiting to reign. He's not submitting to somebody else. He is seated in full authority, there present upon the throne. The second thing I want you to recognize, he is high and lifted up. He is exalted. He is put in a position above those who would be present there to worship him. He is seated and he is high and lifted up. He is exalted and to recognize this. And Isaiah is observing all that is going on and all that is taking in. Seated, high and lifted up. Next thing it talks about here is that the train of his robe fills the temple. Train of his robe fills the temple. And understanding this space, it goes back to the back doors and, and out this way and up. And the train of his robe to indicate his royalty. And I don't know how many of you ladies actually have thought about or have been in your own wedding with a train of your dress and how long that may have been, but to understand his tra- the train of his robe fills the place. Beautiful, magnificent. He's trying to take this in. He's observing all kinds of things. You need to see and catch this. That the Lord is seated. He's lifted high above. And the train of his robe spreads throughout 
Above him stood the seraphim, each with six wings. These angelic beings, the seraphim, they're actually, the name means burning ones. Burning ones. He's observing this, and these, they have six wings. We haven't even mentioned the fact that they cover their legs, and we'll see later on that they actually have hands and arms as well. All these different limbs, and these things are present there, the presence of God. And, and when commentaries actually talk about the fact that these that this um, covering with the other wings is because God's holiness, his presence, where they're at, and that close to the Lord, that literally they dare not look. That they're wings that they can fly, but the rest, that they cover themselves. And they're literally burning. That idea of refiner's fire, that idea of purity, may be present here right now. And they call out to one another, And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of the armies. Holy, holy, holy. We look. We recognize in scripture, it talks about the splendor of God's holiness in Psalm 29.2. The majesty of his holiness. In Exodus 15.11, and the incomparability of his holiness in Isaiah 40.25. This isn't someone who's sort of good. This isn't someone who's sort of righteous. This isn't someone who's not too bad, A minus. It's God. And the foundations of the threshold shook when one seraphim called out to another. Again, take this in. I got a question for you. How many seraphim are actually present? Two? Five? Ten? How many are enough to declare the holiness and righteousness of God? Then try and tell me how many. Ten thousand? A hundred thousand? It says in the scripture, and I loved a moment ago as we were led by this team and worshiped to come in before the Lord, just hearing the voices and chance to proclaim the gospel through song and to worship the Lord. And we sing out and it roars in here and that's so cool. But I want you to imagine as one seraphim called out to another that the actual temple threshold shook. The place is filled with smoke. And Isaiah's trying to take this experience in. Holy, holy, holy. Three times holy. They call out to one another. The Lord is seen by Isaiah. Let's continue on. Isaiah in here, his instinctual response to where he is and what he's experiencing, the fact that the thresholds are shaking, these angels are calling out, the place is filled with smoke. He says, woe is me. He says, I am ruined. I'm in trouble. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. He recognizes, see the first thing I wanted you to see as we walk through those bullets is the fact that Isaiah sees the Lord but the next thing we're gonna take a look at is Isaiah is seen. Isaiah is seen. Woe is me. You see earlier when we were talking a few minutes ago we were picturing a beautiful place of heaven. No more darkness, no more pain, no more struggle with bills, no more getting up in the morning and having to put these dumb things on. 
when we're worrying about death. Get a chance to see our loved ones. Get a chance to see people, meet people from Scripture that we always wanted to meet and to meet our Savior. See, heaven is in heaven without Jesus. Amen? Amen? When you picture heaven, you got to understand that you don't get heaven without hell. You don't get heaven without hell. And the recognition that for each one of us, we look forward to what a wonderful thing and experience heaven is going to be. But folks, hell's real too. And as you ask yourself the question, will I go, we have to remember what is on the line. We have to remember what eternity looks like. Last week, Pastor Todd was, was talking, and he had a ladder up here, and so I figured I could get a tape measure. Uh, and, um, and so, uh, Walker, if you would help me out. Walker actually had showed us this. Um, I want you to picture, for those of you who have ever worked with a tape measure, these little marks on here. Just picture in your life about a, about a sixteenth of an inch, just a, a tiny bit. And um, Walker's going to help me to, to communicate just comparison to what um, heaven is, what eternity is. And so, Walker, if you could just take a walk, please. And so it's understanding eternity. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Walker. Okay. Eternity. Your life in comparison to eternity is that long. Walker, you can go ahead and just leave it on the ground and come back in, buddy. eternity. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ and Isaiah is taking this moment in and he recognizes he doesn't belong. He says, woe is me. It's his instinctual response. I am a man of unclean lips. He recognizes I am detestable. I am unclean before God. I don't belong here. You need to remember when you look, the great accuser isn't God. It's Satan. He reminds you of the garbage that you've done in your life. But coming into God's presence, as you look in this passage, the Lord hasn't even spoken yet. Do you realize that? Look at the passage and realize God didn't look at him and go, you don't belong. What are you doing here? Shame on you. Isaiah looked around and he was seen. He says, I don't belong here. I'm not worthy of this. I know that. I can see it by the whole experience of what I'm taking in this room right now. But who I see upon that throne. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Not only am I sinful, but the world around me gets it on me. Not because they force it upon me, but because I invite it in. I welcome it into my home. I welcome it into my car. I welcome it into my experience in the culture. And sometimes they embrace the wrong things, and I get it on me. I'm guilty. See, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We're not called as a church body to go live up on a hill and sit and wait 
for the glory of the Lord to return. We're called to go out. So you ask yourself the question, will I go? It's not okay to live in a holy huddle. We're called to go. But as you go, you've got to come before the Lord because temptation and situations and circumstances are going to be present. And you need to be praying for each other and lifting each other up and being intentional about that. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. I am guilty. My eyes have seen the Lord. When Isaiah looks at the Lord, he sees himself as he truly is. Sees himself as he truly is. What a scary place to be. That's why he said, woe is me. He's ready for the building to fall down on him. He's ready for in this cloud of smoke to go, I'm I'm done. When he sees the Lord, it reveals his lack of glory. Seraphim comes down, takes a burning coal with tongs. I want you to grab this, this pure being, this seraphim, this angel before the Lord with these wings, goes and takes a coal and then takes his hand and puts it up to Isaiah's mouth. He couldn't take it off the altar but he uses those tongs and takes it in his hand and places up at his mouth. You see, the angel here knows because you don't read this in the text where the Lord comes and says, angel, go do this. He knows the character of God. He knows God's desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the angel, again, instinctively steps down from where he was, goes to the altar, grabs the coal, places it on his lips, and communicates to him, here's what's going on, Isaiah. He sees Isaiah's need. A seraphim touches Isaiah's lips and says, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. It's not as if you didn't sin, you did sin. We have all sinned. Scripture tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. There is not one that is righteous. So the opportunity that Seraphim takes and says, here's what's gone on. Here's what's happening. This coal has touched you. Your sin has been atoned for. Then the Lord speaks. Say that again. Then the Lord speaks. All of this has gone on and the Lord hasn't even said anything. Let's see what he says. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I wonder what Isaiah had experienced in this setting for the Lord to speak up and to say, who wants to go? And him to speak up and say, send me. Here's some things, again, when I look at the passage as a human being, I I ask some questions, I go, Isaiah doesn't ask, where am I going? Where to? When? When am I going to be going? 
What will I be doing? And why? He knows why. He doesn't care. It's interesting for him to experience this and to be willing to lay aside everything else in his life. See, some of you here today are reaching retirement and you're asking the question, what am I going to do? And today, God may be speaking to you and say, are you willing to go? And he hasn't filled in the blank yet of where are you going? It's okay. For some of you, you have a business, you have a family, you have a career, you have responsibilities, you have a house, you have all these different things. And it wouldn't be according to the world's standards, according to your neighbors, according to your, some of your friends. It wouldn't be prudent for you to quit your job in the name of following after a call by the Lord. Will I go? It doesn't make sense. It absolutely doesn't make sense. But the Lord knows what he has designed you for. And when you hear that question and he's speaking to your heart, will I go? Are you willing to go? You see, nothing else you take a look at this tape measure that happens in that 16th of an inch is worthy to be compared to that. Nothing else. We realize when we look at this, the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. I was in high school. Um, had gone on a trip to Korea and um, we were uh, debriefing um, afterwards in Hawaii. But on this mission project to Korea, man, one of the hardest trips I'd ever been on. And um, it was raining like crazy. And we had to build this, um, this structure. Um, and it was for the Korean people there to actually proclaim the gospel to children, to adults there in uh, in Korea, and so we're there, and, and the job is way up on this hilltop. It's pouring down rain. We've got moats built around our tent that are, that are that deep, that are filling up with water. We've got water running into our tent, pours, pouring down rain, kind of like we do here. Pour, I'm sorry, no, not like here, okay? <laughs> I'm talking real rain, big drops, okay? Pouring down rain. We have to mix cement. And so all the sand and all the rocks are down below. And um, we're like, how long are we going to do this? Because we can't get cars up to the work site. we got people up there that are ready for us. And we've got to get all the mixings up there so we can make cement, so we can have mortar, so we can lay block, so we can have this building so that the gospel can go out. And so we're like, okay, how in the world are we going to do this? And so we ask, okay, well, do you guys have wheelbarrows? we be a little bit quicker. Apparently, wheelbarrow doesn't translate in Korean. Because they smiled and they say, here you go. And they hand us this wooden box that's got handles on it. It looks like a backpack. Ropes come across here. It's got a drawstring. And um, what you do is you take the drawstring and if you pull it down, it closes the bottom of the box. And what would happen is we'd have a team down below and they would take their shovels and they would sink it into the wet dirt and sand and rocks. And they would take it And they would aim to hit the opening in the box, which was right up here. Well, not only was that box open, but sometimes your shirt was open. 
So picturing that wet sand running down your back and that box pressing up against, and then you've got to climb that hill. Well, that wasn't necessarily the worst part of it. Because not only sometimes was your shirt open, but sometimes your pants were open. (laughs) So you got wet sand running down, all the way down your back and into your pants. They would fill the backpack, and then they'd smile at you. And you'd make the trek up the hill. You'd finally get up to the top. You'd release that cable, that rope. It would drop the sand down. And you trekked back down the hill. One of the hardest trips I'd ever been on. One of the most amazing experiences I'd ever had. Because you see, with missions and, and my heartbeat, I want to see people develop to use their gifts and talents and abilities to proclaim the gospel wherever they're called. But see, the trips that I've gone on, the trips that I like to lead, are the ones where you get to the end of yourself and you realize how big God is. When you realize, I can't do anymore, and you call out, and the Lord is faithful. He will guide you, He will direct you, He will give you strength for today. Because you see, and and I've had the privilege of working with teenagers doing that a lot of my ministry and now God's placed me in a different place. But when you realize that, especially for young people, when they realize that, then when they get older and they find themselves in a situation where money's tight and they're asking the question, is God faithful? They remember. When they have situations that they're encountering that are bigger than them, they realize In comparison to my God, he is so much bigger and he will carry me through. Even if he doesn't do what I want. He's present and he will help me. Where to, when, what will I be doing, why? My grandfather was on trial a few decades back. come from a pretty solid line of alcoholics and um, to my knowledge they didn't have strikes then but uh, he was coming before the judge he was guilty of drunk driving and the judge that he was standing before everybody knew was really hard on drunk drivers and he knew he was going to do jail time Proceedings walked through, and they were getting ready. And the judge, as he was present for my grandpa, as my grandpa stood there guilty, there was some commotion. The bailiff comes in, and he whispers in the judge's ear. And the judge is a little distraught. And he says, uh, case is dismissed. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, um, you need to know um, President Kennedy was just assassinated. My grandpa's case was uh, was dismissed. And he was allowed to go free. My grandpa knew that at that point he just got an unbelievable gift. I talked to my dad and my dad said that was the beginning of him realizing 
his life needed to change. He didn't give his life to the Lord until much later, but he knew something was wrong there. So, we got some points here. Grab your notes, if you would, please. Folks, I believe Isaiah is willing to go because he knows what it's like to come into the presence of God, to take in the majesty and the holiness and the splendor of who God is and understand that's who he is. He sees him and he knows who he is. Point number one, what it's like to come into the presence of God. Number two, He knows what it's like to see himself as he really is in the presence of God, to be guilty. To know that his sin, really, he shouldn't be there. Stood very clearly. He was wrong and he knew it. He's a man of unclean lips and lives among a people of unclean lips. Point number three. Number one, he knows what it's like to come into the presence of God. Number two, he knows what it's like to see himself as he really is in the presence of God. And number three, I love this one, he knows what it's like to be forgiven and know that he can now be in the presence of God. You know what I'm talking about when I say be, that that he can just relax in the presence of God. I ask these questions, I'm thinking about this. How do 12 broken men, how do 12 jacked up men, how do 12 disciples follow Jesus when every time they looked and they recognized, this guy knows all kinds of things about me. If I was one of the 12 disciples, I think I'd find myself kind of going, let me stand behind the other 11. Wouldn't you? Knowing this guy knew everything, Wouldn't you want to hide? Why didn't they hide? Why didn't they fear coming into his presence? Why didn't they bail? It doesn't, it makes more sense, right? Unless we really don't understand when we look at that, the character of God. Jesus represented that. They were able to be in his presence and look at what they did. They argued over, can I sit on your right? Can I sit on your left? They want to melt down a community. They're kicking kids out. And Jesus loves them. He loves them. Isn't that amazing? That he can look at us and we can come into his presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ and I can be. I don't have to fall down in fear, but I can fall down in his arms because he loves me. See, a long time ago, in Korea, when we were describing that, I was describing that experience, we went to Hawaii, and we were debriefing, and there was a gentleman that stood up front and said, some of you here, you know that you are called to full-time service. You know it as clearly as I'm speaking it, but you know it's not me. It is the Lord speaking to you right now as I share these words. And whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're at the end of your career, or not, you got time. There's not a day, and there have been challenges and struggles and difficulties and amazing things that have happened too that I regret in following after the Lord and trusting Him with my life. He's faithful. Number four, 
He knows that everyone at some point is going to stand in the presence of God. Let me say that again. He knows that everyone is going to stand at some point in the presence of God. Let me say that one more time. He knows that everyone at some point is going to stand in the presence of God. You're not going in there holding hands with somebody else. You're not going in there saying, I'm with grandma and grandpa or mom and dad. You're not going in there saying, I'm with them or these, these were my kids. It doesn't make a difference. You will stand before there. And if the only person that you have to lean on is, is yourself, you're in trouble You have to go in there leaning on Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He is not an option. He is the option. And that's why we have sent people to all of these countries as you look out here into all over the world, and we're continuing to send them. And if God's got a call and a burden on your life, and the question is being asked, will I go? I hope today that you're willing to answer that question. Here am I. Send me. We've got a video right now of a young couple. It's taken on that call. I want you to watch, please. Hey, Trinity family. Hello. I'm Jordan Mason. I'm Jenny Mason. And we're so excited to introduce ourselves to you and share a bit about our ministry. Mm-hmm. It means the world, honestly, to have Trinity behind us, um, supporting us as missionaries. We, I grew up going to Trinity since I was two, and it's so cool to see it kind of come full circle and now be supported by Trinity as we try to reach others. So we work with Crew, also known as Campus Crusade for Christ, and on the high school and college campuses, it's apparent that there's a million things competing for the hearts and minds of students, mm-hmm. and we want to be a tangible presence on the on the campus, high school and college campus, to be ambassadors, sharing the gospel, seeing people come to faith in Christ, mm-hmm. building them up in their faith and their love for Jesus, and sending them out as ambassadors to uh, the workplace, to full-time ministry. We have teams that we send every year to the Middle East and to East Asia of reach, recent college graduates. Our heart is that people would graduate and live a life of love for Christ. Mm-hmm. So practically on the team, what do we do? I'm one of the team leaders, and so I help to shepherd the ministry and the team here. Jordan helps put on, uh, he leads the weekly meeting, which is our biggest outreach that we do every week. There's around a thousand students that come out to that, and they get to hear a message, and it's a great thing to bring friends to, invite non-Christians to, and they get to hear the hope we have in Christ. Um, The last six six weeks have been our crazy busy time of the year. It's called the fall launch, where we have a ton of new freshmen, transfer students, international students, and our goal, hey, let's invite every one of them to come and hear more about Jesus. And so then we take them and we go away, uh, to our fall retreat, which we just got back from a couple days ago. And it's an incredible time. And just one example, a girl who's been coming to my Bible study this whole year so far, just searching for answers. Um, she came up to me during the fall retreat and she said, Jenny, I gave my life to Christ this weekend. I finally made a decision to walk with God. Um, and it's just like, we just get so excited. Like that's why we do what we do. Um, is to see lost students and faculty come to know Jesus and walk with him for a lifetime. Yeah. It's an incredible incredible privilege to do what we do. Mm-hmm. And some ways that you can be praying for us. Uh, first off, Jenny's actually pregnant, Woo! which we're super excited for, <laughs> yeah. due March 2018. So you Halfway can be praying there. for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, uh, in a few days we leave for the Middle East, and Jenny and I will be coaching and just coming alongside our what we call a one-year team. Um, so we have 
recent graduates over there. We're going to come alongside them, just pray for safe travel and that we could support and encourage them well. And our long-term staff there. Yeah, long-term staff. And yeah, so those are the big things. And I think continue to pray for wisdom as we try to navigate yeah, the challenging student culture um, and just know how to be a light um, to the people that we're ministering to. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. We appreciate you all and your support and your prayers make this all possible. So mm-hmm. it means the world to us. Yeah, thank we, you. We really couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. Bye. Bye. They're a young couple that have walked through our application process, the, all kinds of different stages, and then they actually have met with the elders. And unfortunately, they weren't able to be with us uh, today, but we're going to be doing a commissioning for them in late January, February, the Masons. And, and you just heard, um, uh, as Jordan actually has, has grown up here, and um, recognizing as you think about your, your legacy, what it's going to be. Um, love the fact, too, that Jordan and Jenny are going to have a baby. And they're going to the Middle East. That makes sense. (laughs) But when God calls, you go. You go. There is no place safer in this world than in God's arms. There is no place safer in this world than God's arms. And I want the same thing for my kids. I want my kids to follow Jesus Christ and to be lights in this world that they might share with others because there's no safer place for my children as much as I'd like to protect them. And I know the Masons pray for their kids as they go. When I get up daily, I got a 15-year-old, 12-year-old, 9-year-old, 6-year-old. I want them to be safe along with my wife. I want to know that I get to go home to them. Even if I irritate them or they're bored or whatever, I don't care. I get to see them. But I get to hand them over to the Lord as well. And I, I got to trust you, God, with them. I invite you to stand. Walker. You go get that name. No, go get that and bring it back. Okay. Spread. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Lord, we thank you for this call on our lives, asking the question, will I go? And Lord, for some here, they're called to full-time service. Father, they're called and they know it as clearly as I am saying it because these are not my words, Father, but I thank you that you fill me with your spirit, that you are talking to them right now in whatever situation they're in and they're wrestling with, how in the world do I do this? There's a young couple on the screen just now, Father, that have gifts and talents and abilities and they are surrendering those all to you that you might use them for your glory. So, Father, as we wrestle with these things, in a moment, this whole crowd is going to get a chance to go out into the pavilion and we have set up multiple short-term trips. God, you've called us to reach our world, to be rooted in Christ and to reach our world with the gospel. And we have some short-term trips that people are gonna get a chance to check out and to pray over and to consider. I just thank you for that opportunity. And Lord, some of these are gonna be exposure. Some of these are gonna be first steps in a calling to full-time service. We're all called to be lights in the world of Jesus Christ, but there's some that have a unique calling, and I pray, Father, that you would help us to partner with them well and that you would receive all the glory here. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you walk out, I want to invite just our, our missionaries. If you'd head out into the pavilion right now and you get a chance to, to say hi to them as the Hicks head, head out, Martinez, 
Um, other folks that, that we have um, in the house right now, the Fishers, I know the Anayas are going through process, all these different folks. Um, as you guys head out, say hi to them. Check out our short-term opportunities um, that are going on out there. I will be up front. We've got more questions. I'd love to talk to you. Have a great morning. Thank you. <laughs>